0: Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome you to week two of a series we've entitled Empowered. I wanna welcome those here at our Keller campus, those maybe watching online. Let's welcome all those that are joining us today, maybe in a video venue or watching this message later. I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles this week to turn to Acts chapter eight. I'll be starting in verse nine, telling you a little bit of the story of what's going on there in the book of Acts in Acts chapter eight. But we started off this series last week with an anchor verse. It's a verse that is very significant in Scripture because before Jesus ascends to heaven, he tells those listening to him something very important and gives them some instruction. And he tells them to go wait in Jerusalem, but he tells them why. He says, go wait for this power it's gonna come upon you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And he tells them why, so that you might be my witnesses. That's why we've called this series Empowered. I think all of us face moments in life where we could use a little more power. We could use something outside of ourselves. We walk into circumstances or situations and we're a little apprehensive or we're anxious or we're worried and we don't know where to find the power outside of us. Jesus says, I have power available. It's the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is available to empower you. We're living that verse right now, by the way, empowered power to be witnesses. We've had a great week here, here at Milestone Church. It's just amazing. You may hear little snippets of different things happening, but I think it's my job sometimes from the larger vantage point to show you the whole picture. Just this week, we had 101 last Sunday. We had almost 100 people. I asked them, how many of you are not from Texas? 90% of the room, I've never seen that many people. 90% not from Texas. I told them all, welcome home, you've made it to the promised land. You've wandered in the wilderness long enough and Jesus finally brought you into the promised land, the land flowing, come on. The land flowing with milk and honey right here in Texas, baby, come on. Several people in that class gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ, come on, isn't that, that's a celebration. We then had Summer Splash, come on ladies, how many of you enjoyed Summer Splash? Summer Splash, we had 41 ladies raise their hand, accept Christ, go out, and we had several go to a tent that we had that just said, how can we help you? And I heard there were 20 ladies showed up right afterwards just to receive prayer and help and connection. I want you to know we're seeing God do amazing things. I think a lot of times I feel that it's my responsibility to tell you too that this is, this is not just everyday. This is not just normal. I heard one of my favorite stories from the week is, we sent 250 middle schoolers. And I got this picture right here that I received on one of our text threads. 55 middle school students gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Come on, that's, that's somebody's daughter, that's somebody's son, that's someone's grandkid, that's future moms, that's future dads, that's future families that'll be built around the rock foundation of Jesus Christ because of what happened. So the power's there for a purpose. Acts 1-8, I will bring this power to you, go wait. It's going to come upon you. And I wanna talk a little bit about that this week as we talk about the Holy Spirit filling us and the Holy Spirit being upon us. I, I thought about it this week in just a real practical way when I grew up, you didn't have a drink refrigerator out in the garage. We, we had one refrigerator. When you pulled into a gas station, you were praying that dad was in a good mood because you might get a treat. It was a special occasion. Can we get a Dr. Pepper? Can we get a candy bar? Can we get a Snickers? Can we get something? Can we? And My dad always, we'd show up to eat somewhere. He's like, look. I ain't paying for tea. You're drinking water. We're not paying for Coke. Special occasion, but I tell you, summertime, and it's summertime. My mom made up for the fact we didn't have soft drinks in the house because she would go and buy those packets of Kool-Aid and make us up a big old. We lived on Kool-Aid and water out of the water hose. Anybody live in the same era? I did. Come on. We lived on it. And I know some of you may get mad at me. Don't email me it had red dye in it and sugar. Look at me. I feel fine. I'm doing great today. I lived on it. I mean, we we shot it in our veins. We drank it. We sugar, 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 red dye, red dye. (laughs) Doing fine. Doing okay. Worked out. Kool-Aid. I thought about Kool-Aid There's a difference in Kool-Aid being there on the counter with ice in it, there's a difference in Kool-Aid being on the inside of you, and there's difference in Kool-Aid being upon you. That word upon is significant because it being upon you means that there's a tangible experiential side to it that's experienced not only by you, but it's also experienced by the people around you. Now some of you, when you start mentioning the Holy Spirit, and I don't have time to go into everything I shared as a foundational teaching last week of the landscape of the Holy Spirit from Genesis all the way through the New Testament to show you how he works and what he does, but I did give you some significant theological terms to help you because I find that we have all different experiences, we have different levels of understanding, and I find that for some reason in this area, we tend to spend a lot of times defending what we already have instead of opening ourselves up to what God may have for us. So to set you at ease for a minute, you don't have to defend anything. There's a landscape of theological terms that show us the progressive nature by which the Holy Spirit works with us as individuals. We talked about it last week in a chart, justification. See, the Holy Spirit has to be the one that leads you to the understanding of Jesus. We saw it last week in Jesus' farewell discourse in the book of John. That you do not know truth until the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you. I know you've had someone in your life they're headed the wrong way. You know they're headed the wrong way. You can see it so clearly But they are blind because the God of this age blinds us, lies to us, and deceives us. And our only hope is that the Holy Spirit reveals truth to them. But when they see that revelation of who Jesus is, and they say yes to him, they surrender to him. Maybe some of you are at that step with the Holy Spirit You've been playing games a little. You've been kind of here, there, one foot in, one foot out. And you need to just say, you know what, Jesus, through the power of your spirit, I'm giving it all to you. I'm fully surrendering myself to you. You know, you know it in your heart whether you've gone all in or not. And you say, I'm all in. Well, in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes. He regenerates us. He makes all things new. We literally become a new creation. He stamps us. He seals us. He says to every devil in hell, that one's mine. That one's mine. That will always be one of my children right there. They will be led by my spirit. Why? As the Bible says, we are his sons and daughters. Justified. Very important step. I told you, though, in this series, I wanna talk a little bit more about beyond just that step, there's this category called sanctification. Don't get hung up in the big words. Justified is when he saves you. Sanctified is when he begins to work in you in an ongoing process to bring you into everything that God's called you to be, to change you, to move you forward, to help you in the journey. See, glorification is when we go to heaven. When we get to heaven, you won't need a bald preacher trying to tell you how to get to your next step. You've arrived, baby, you know what I'm saying? You and Jesus from now on. There will be no growth track in heaven. Because we will know him as we are fully known. We will fully know him. We will have our glorified bodies. Now that's later, but we're in the middle. We're in sanctification. We're in this ongoing journey. I don't understand a lot of times why There's so much debate about this and so many different positions and people get kind of all up. It's like we all believe in sanctification, surely. We all believe that we don't just stop when we get saved, you know? Three verses of just as I am, walk the aisle, pastors down, yes, 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 pray, receive Christ, get the card filled out. Well, Jesus doesn't say, okay, I got me another one, come on up to heaven. We have to live our lives here on earth. Could be said we we need that at a greater level. Because that's our participation part. In the justification part, our participation is to say yes and surrender. In the sanctification journey, there's a continual yes going on all the time because the Spirit of God is doing amazing things in our lives. So I wanna talk to you a little bit about this upon in the area of the sanctification journey. I wanna talk to you about this power that's available One of my favorite places is Acts chapter 8. It's just a cool story. Now, I want to get you from Acts 1 to Acts 8 for just a moment. You know, Jesus said, go wait in Jerusalem and power from on high would come. You know what? It happened. He said there's a promise and he keeps his promises. And on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people gathered in a room in one mind and one accord and the Holy Spirit was poured out. It fell from heaven. I know it's just semantics, but some people are praying for the Holy Spirit to fall. You don't have to pray that because he already fell. He's here, he's here. He came down on the day of Pentecost and started working and moving. And did you know it says on that day right after that when Peter preached that first message, 3,000 people were added to the church. (laughs) We have a cultural bias today, if it's big, it's bad. You wouldn't have liked the first church because it was 3,000, 5,000, boom. I know that was meddling. When the Spirit of God starts working, he starts breaking out and changing individuals and lives in a massive way. It happened right there in the book of Acts. 3,000 people were at it, but I also like the culture. It wasn't just 3,000 people were at it, which is just this mass mob of people. It says that they were still gathering together in settings like this. They were meeting from house to house. They were eating their meals with gladness. I'm talking about what is the Holy Spirit upon you? Let's make sure we go back to the Bible. It says there were a group of people. They had gladness, there was life. And they, they were real. There was authenticity. I believe when the Holy Spirit is present in a home, when the Holy Spirit is present in a church, when the Holy Spirit shows up, there's gladness. Doesn't mean we don't have any problems, but we have joy because we know the one who's in control of it all. And there's authenticity. I've always been bothered by, you know, you go meet church people, you know, show up at church. Say, How you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord, brother. Don't do that, man. It's weird. Honestly, it's weird. It's just kind of goofy. <laughs> well, what about real? That's what was happening. And it says God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. Power for a purpose. We then see, though, because there's this growth happening, and for all of you organizational people out there, come on, all of you that everything's got to kind of be in order, you're in the Bible, too. There had to be some strategic people because all these people are being added and if we're gonna take care of them, we've gotta make some adjustments. So in Acts 6, they have to say, we need you guys to do this and we need you guys to do this and we need you guys to do this and they separated some people out to take care of some people in a different way and to help with feeding people and taking care of certain practical things. In that group was a guy named Philip. In that group, and I love this part of the story because this guy Philip he starts out waiting tables and now when we get to Acts chapter 8 he's preaching the message we have such a microwave culture a lot of times I meet young people all the time it's like well I want to do that why don't you start with being faithful with what you've already been given been the Holy Spirit will work. Start waiting tables and start serving people and get the heart and maybe if you prove yourself faithful, he might let you or you might just get real good at that and help a whole lot of other people do that. But look, I love this part of the story because Philip doesn't start with what we see in Acts chapter eight because what happens in Acts chapter eight would have made headlines because it was a big moment. He goes to Samaria. He goes there and he starts preaching Jesus. He's preaching the same Jesus with all the experiences he's had as we've seen things happen and he starts preaching to people and I wanna pick up the story for just a minute and let you see what happens. It says, now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city, amazed all the people of Samaria. So there's this guy Simon, when Philip shows up to preach, there's this guy who has new age philosophy, some kind of, of, of belief in this alternate power, demonic really, demonic, it's present in the earth today. And and I love what happens here, this guy is, they look at him and they boasted that he was someone great and all the people both high and low gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. I, I wanna encourage you with something that if you don't understand the experiential power, present working nature of the Holy Spirit, if it's not in a culture, people will look for power somewhere else. Young people today will not be reached just by intellectual, cerebral, intellectual understanding of God. They have to experience him. They have to see 55 of their friends get saved. It can't be just don't do this and and don't do that and stop this and don't drink, smoke, chew, or date any girls that do. Can I encourage some of you parents with something? This This is so important. I'm so thankful in my early 20s, I got exposed to not just the Spirit of God that saves you, but the Spirit of God that empowers you because I wanna tell you what will help your children. Yes, there are times to say no, but give them a bigger yes. Give them a bigger yes. Don't say, don't mess around with the devil. Show them there's more power than the devil. Philip knew how to do that. He understood there's greater power. They're calling him the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed. He's like, they think I got power? That's a whole lot of different power than what I got. And he was baptized and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. But when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when I read that in my roots, we talked a lot about the justification of the Spirit, the sealing of the Spirit, the redemption of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, all very important. So when you say they might receive the Holy Spirit, I need a little bit more information because I'm like, well, I received the Spirit, but it qualifies here what they mean. It's receiving in the sanctification realm a different aspect of the Holy Spirit, this power, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them upon them they had simply been baptized in the name of the lord jesus then peter and john placed their hands on them and they received the holy spirit there's a pattern of this i truly believe the greatest pattern is the disciples themselves in john 20 jesus breathed on them i don't know what happens when jesus breathes on you and says receive the holy spirit but it's got to be powerful Jesus breathes on them, but he still tells them before he ascends to go wait in Jerusalem for power from on high. And there's no denying that that's when the Holy Spirit comes down and people are like, were they saved in John 20? Were they justified in John 20? Were they justified at Pentecost? In the scope of what I'm trying to describe to you, it's not really a relevant discussion because in Acts 4, they're in trouble. They're they're out there on a limb where God is. You ever been out there? I'm talking about where you don't have time to debate with people about intellectual understandings and defend what you already know. This is why the topic I'm preaching on has a whole different understanding, even outside of America, because they don't have themselves to depend on so many times. They're out there, man, and the the city's upset, the rulers are upset with them. You gotta stop talking about this, Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you, they get out in that place, but they know where to go for power. They know where to get the source of power. They have a prayer meeting. They huddle up together. This is powerful. The Holy Spirit comes into the room and starts shaking the place. And they are empowered and the Spirit of God comes upon them in a new dimension and the Bible says they spoke the word of God with boldness. We see it in the disciples. Another moment in Acts 10. Peter's preaching, and while he's preaching, epipito, this Greek word, upon this word, it says the same thing happened while he was preaching to this group of people who were believers. Epipito, the Spirit of God, came upon them. Acts 19, I described it for you last week. I worked through this in my early 20s at an exhaustive level because I actually had to make a lot of sacrifices myself to really step into this new understanding, and, and, and so I, I began to really sort it out, and this may help you because it helped me. These three words help me, and it's kind of like the justification, sanctification, glorification, but these three words really help me, and I want to show it to you. It's, it's, not, it's not a formula, but it's a pattern. So we, we see these three Greek words. The first one is with, para. And I'm gonna show it to you through the use of water, not Kool-Aid, and I realize that by putting God in a glass jar as water, is, it breaks down on so many levels. But he's okay with it for our illustrative purposes, okay? But if you were to think about it, the water, by the way, the Holy Spirit has some description in the Bible of wind or water, so there's, there's some concept. But with is this Greek word para, he's, he's with you. Again, you don't, you don't all of a sudden, just on your own initiative, change your life. You, you just don't. You, you, you naturally go the way of destroying your life. You naturally go the way of messing up things. You naturally go the way, if you just kind of go the way of your birth, you naturally hurt yourself and others and you end up having so much regret going, man, I, we are far more have a propensity to sin and destroy things than we are always aware of. But we're also far more loved than we could possibly imagine because the Holy Spirit comes and he's with us and he starts moving in us and he starts drawing us and you start hearing a message or you have a friend that loves God or you get a kid that loves God and you kinda just get sorta of just with the sin, you know, cause sin kills and the pleasure of sin is but for a season. So they tell me, I've never done it, I'm a pastor, I've always been perfect, but anyway. But you know how it's like it's fun for a little while, and then then we don't know what to do. Enter the Holy Spirit. He starts going, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way with us. And then on the moment we surrender our lives to Christ and we say yes to Jesus, he comes in us. The Greek word, en. He comes in to redeem us, to change us, to fill us. And so when I share a message about the Holy Spirit coming upon you or filling you, there's some of you going, yeah, that happened. I was in so-and-so church in 1971 and I prayed and I accept Christ and the Spirit of God came and yes, you're right, you're right. But this pattern, the next step is, not the water just being in you, not the Kool-Aid just being in you, but this Greek word epi, overflowing and upon you. This experiential side, this tangible side, this this atmosphere-changing side, this, this power side that's not just inside of you, but comes out and upon you. There's a pattern that we see. I thought about it this way. It's also for a purpose. And I think a lot of times there's people go, well, why do I want that? You need that for power for a purpose. It's to be a witness. It's to have the experiential side of the Spirit of God to do what you can't do. I ran a half marathon, 40 years old, just under 40 years old, my sister said, Jeff, I want you to do this. I couldn't tell her no. And I wanted to tell her no, but I said yes. And uh, so I started kind of lumbering around the trails of Keller and kind of got you know, to a place and I, and I was thinking, cause this is the way my brain works, I was thinking about the day I would run my first half marathon and I was really intrigued by what am I going to do when I get to the water table? Cause I'm thinking, I've always seen that, you know, people run, you know, and so she set me up, I had a little fanny pack, I had two goo packs in there, ate them both in the first mile, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'm gonna need this. Uh, And so (laughs) anyway, I got to that water table and I noticed some people stopped and just kind of started drinking water. I'm like, well, I'm not stopping because that guy right there is like 20 years older than me and he's been beating me and and, and he's old and he's not gonna beat me. So I gotta keep moving because I can't stop here and chat. I'm headed somewhere. But I realized it's not easy to, to like drink the water. Well, they have water and Gatorade no Kool-Aid, but they and you kinda you gotta try to run and you kinda and it's kinda and you gotta make sure you don't, you know, inhale it, you know, you but you gotta keep moving and you gotta you gotta get the water. Do you know there's a lot of people run this Christian life race dehydrated? My son at half marathon, he got dehydrated, fell in the ditch, had a heat stroke, literally did. Like a week later, he was wearing my finisher shirt on the couch, but don't, don't tell him I said that. If he, he's, he don't tell him anyway. But I see a lot of people just, we're just gonna work till Jesus come, we we'll gonna do it for Jesus. But it's so dry. There's no life on you. There's no gladness. There's no sincerity of heart because you're just You can even take the word. Did you know the letter can kill, but the spirit in the word gives life to it? to forgot the word, but you're so mean. You have no life. You may make it to the end, but you're gonna all die in the process. The water's there as you're running to give you power, to give you life. Did you know, I, I grew up in a church, man, we were running, but it was real dry. We were running, but it was real dry. Went and hung out with the people at Brandy's church. They knew about water. Only problem was they started running. They saw the water, because man, it's refreshing. It's a great place. It's a lot better than trying to keep running that thing. They just lay up in there and just drink the water. One guy's underneath there. Hey, y'all got a Gatorade? (laughs) There's a whole pile of people just hanging out at the water table. The Bible says we need to run the race to win. There's there's kingdom purpose ahead of us. We need it to fulfill that purpose. I've preached on this before, but I've never been this simplistic, but I believe, remember I started the year with grow as our theme, and I believe we're fairly underdeveloped in this area. So I'm gonna be very methodical for a moment and very simplistic to talk to you about the epi. How how does that happen actually, Pastor? What are you talking about? What does that really look like? And I want you to see it, and I want to be very simplistic for a minute on how it happens. Number one, you have to believe. You have to believe it. You have to believe that the Spirit of God is actively present, working in the earth, and that he, if you receive Christ, is on the inside of you, but he also wants to empower you at a different level beyond just salvation. You, you only move toward that which you believe. And, and, and that's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You need to read the word like Acts chapter eight there and be like, wait a minute, okay. So it's, you have to believe it. The Bible says do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled by the Spirit. That Greek word, filled there, very important. People use all kinds of terminology. Baptism with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. Look, let's not get into the semantics. The point is, do you have water flowing out of you to get you to the place God's called you to go? This word, though, filled, It's important that you know this, the tense of the verb that is given there is an imperative present tense verb, okay? What does that mean, present imperative? It means that it's available now and it's a command, be filled, command, but also if you understand at a deeper level, the voice of it is passive, I'm being technical for a reason here for a minute, it's passive which means you can't do it to yourself. It's also progressive. You might not know this, but Greek words are highly inflected, and so there's meaning behind those Greek words, and it is an imperative command. It's passive, it's present. You can't do it to yourself. It's available now, and it's also progressive. It's a verb that says it's not one and done. It's not one and done. It's a a continual filling of the Spirit of God to bring you to where God's called you to go. I read a new psychological term I'll share with you called cognitive entrenchment. Cognitive entrenchment. It means that you get in a mindset where you are entrenched in what you already know. And I wanna tell you, every time you read the Bible because it's living and active, and especially in this area, I meet so many people who have cognitive entrenchment. You have to believe it though. You're not going to step into it unless you believe it. In Niagara Falls in the summer of 1859, there was a guy there, Charles Blondin, and he was going to cross Niagara Falls. I'm talking about believing here for a minute. Cross Niagara Falls on a tightrope. There was a group of people standing there. He said, do you think I can do it? They said, yeah, I think you can do it. So he walks across. He comes back. He gets a wheelbarrow. He says, do you think I can do it? They said, yeah, yeah, I mean, you walked across it. Surely you can do it with the wheelbarrow. So he goes across with the wheelbarrow and he comes back. He then comes to the side and he says, do any of you believe I could do it with one of you in it? They're like, no, we don't believe that. We don't, no, no, I'm not into that. So why am I saying that? There there has to come a moment where this is not a concept that you mentally ascend to believe in for someone else, but you've gotta get in the wheelbarrow. You, you have to begin to actively, presently, progressively pursue it for yourself. The second thing is you have to ask. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who, to those who, to those who, to those who are perfect? To those who are more spiritual, to, to those who have everything and all in a row and figured it all out, to those who ask. Laney Kate and I are studying the Holy Spirit. We have a poster in her room and we're just kind of continually going over it and talking about it and she's my youngest and, um, and, and we're just walking through it. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So I'm not trying to sell her into something. We're reading the word together and I'm waiting for the light bulbs to come on so that she believes it for herself. Especially myself as a pastor, I can be fairly persuasive. And I understand that I don't want my kids to have my faith because I'm a pastor. I don't want my kids to have my faith if I'm you because I'm a believer and I believe it. If I sell them into it, somebody else can sell them out of it. I want to see the moment where the Holy Spirit gives them conviction of it. So we've gone through Acts, now we're going back to some other stuff, and we happened this week to read Luke 11. I read that. You're evil, you know how to give good gifts, God's a good father, he gives gifts, and he gives the gift of the Holy Spirit to them. Who asked? Laney looked at me, she said, "Dad." that could be problematic. I said, well, honey, I'm thinking about using it in my message. She said, well, I don't think they're gonna really, really do it. I said, why? She said, cause every time we go into some other people's house or into a store, you tell me, don't ask for anything. <laughs> don't ask. Look fully empowered and equipped. Look like you have overflow. Look like you have abundance. If they ask you, they don't I don't want them to give you anything, so don't look needy. It's their stuff. We're not beggars, okay? Walk in. And you know they'll be like, "You want some cake?" I don't like cake. You do like cake, but don't don't ask. <laughs> and I realized I thought sometimes you go know, through children, that's why Jesus let the little children come around, because sometimes they make it so simple. We sometimes feel like, wait a minute, isn't God solving some global thing right now? Like, isn't God, wait a minute, would that be presumptuous? Would that be prideful? Would that be negative to ask? Not if he told you to. Not if he told you to ask him for power. The third thing is receive. We're not great at receiving. So there has to come a moment where you receive, and here's what happens a lot of times. I see it in justification, in salvation, I see a lot of times. You're like, well, if that's so simple, there's the Spirit of God and He wants to fill us and He wants to empower us and be there for us and the Kool-Aid come out upon us and all of it. It's like, why is it so rare that we actually do it? Well, I think what happens is either you don't know about it Or even in a moment where you ask, just like with justification, the enemy's a liar. So he'll come and say, well, that's not real. That didn't happen. That was just in a service or that was something. I've seen it so many times when people get saved. I always try to tell new Christians, you're gonna be driving down the road in two weeks and the enemy's gonna come to you and say, that wasn't real. And that's why we don't base our receiving on us. We base it on the good father who promised it to us and it gives us confidence that, wait a minute, no, wait a minute, I asked, he said he would give it, I've received it, and now we believe God for the out, this is how everything in the kingdom works. We then believe that God's at work, and then we begin to see the results of what he's already done. I wanna pray for you, but I wanna give you another analogy so you think about this power, because I wanna inspire you to pursue it. I wanna inspire you to begin to open your home up to it, your marriage up to it. I wanna inspire you to the present working, not the past working, the present progressive working of the Spirit, the epi, the upon you. I thought about it this way years and years ago. I thought, I I understand it better when I understand its power for a purpose. Thought about power, Thought about the spirit. Sometimes, like I said, we use water. There's also the spirit is described as wind. The Old Testament word ruach. We see this word wind in the study of the spirit. Pneuma, pneumatology, pneumatic tools. That's the air tools. So I started thinking about that and thinking about power to be a witness. And I thought about a tea kettle. A tea kettle has power, but the power escapes the atmosphere of the object because the steam, which has great power, is only there to make a noise to let you know that the water is ready for use. So there's a tea kettle there with power and steam, but the steam's just blowing out into the atmosphere. But did you know the first manufactured object that produced mechanical movement and power, you had the water wheel, but the train contained, the steam engine contained a piston, which moves the train down the tracks. Did you know the same steam that's in a kettle that just blows out there is the same harness power that can drive a locomotive up a mountain with several cars behind it? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I think a lot of people dismiss this because they think it's just a lot of hot air. It's like, is that just to kind of excite your services? Or is that just kind of like, is that just you have something special, you have more hot air than I do? Don't ever forget this. Jesus said, I want you to get this power upon you to be my witnesses. Can I encourage you? It's not based on your personality or even all your parenting techniques or your marriage knowledge that makes. Remember, the Spirit of God can do stuff that you can't ever figure out or control. It's power for a purpose, to move that engine down the tracks into God's purpose. I'm gonna ask if you would to stand on your feet with me. I want you to bow your heads. I'm gonna ask no one to move around for just a moment if you would. We're gonna, we're gonna be out in plenty of time, but just, just for a moment, I think if you would just bow your heads, I wanna, I wanna lead you in a process here of what I believe the Spirit of God wants to, to do maybe in some of your hearts and lives. I, I believe there's someone listening to me, maybe online or by video or here in the room You're in that category where the Spirit of God's been drawing you, He's been working on you. It's kinda like everywhere you turn, you're running into God. Well, the Spirit of God, He knows you. There's a verse that I'm very intrigued by in the Old Testament. It says, the righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked run when no one's pursuing. So what our natural nature is when we encounter a perfect God and we know we're imperfect, is to try to run away from him. But I wanna encourage you, the Spirit of God, when he begins to pursue you, you start running into him in multiple different places. And maybe you've been in that boat where he's just been working in your heart. You've you've felt even a, a desire that you've never felt before to give yourself to Jesus in a new way, to give your heart to God. That's God working in your heart. The enemy's never gonna do that. So you're at that step, and I just wanna encourage you, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make to say, Jesus, here I am. Holy Spirit, thank you for drawing me. I recognize all of the things I've done in and of my own self, but I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead, Jesus. And I just give it all to you. I I just give it all to you. I I don't even know what that means, but I I just give it all to you, give you my life prayed that prayer, the spirit of God comes inside of you. He starts doing the work, he'll change you. I wanna encourage you to tell somebody, maybe at the end of the service or come forward, you need to tell someone that can help you now, start the sanctification journey, start the growth journey. Second of all, there's some of you say, I know I'm saved. I know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven, but I didn't know there was this power available. Well, we, we just saw it. You have to believe it's available, you have to ask. So right there in your heart, just ask, Holy Spirit, empower me, fill me, come upon me, strengthen me, give me the power that I need in my business, in my home, in my life, in my family to be your witness. I want you to be an active, present part of my life. I don't wanna push you out. I don't wanna dismiss you. I receive it today. And I believe I'm gonna see the workings of that in my heart and life because you promised it and you are real in Jesus' name.